G'day, I'm Osha Ginsberg. And I'm Charlie Clawson. We are two dads who, when we found out we were going to be dads, went looking for a podcast that could help us navigate what it means to be a dad in the modern world. I mean, there were parenting podcasts, but they all seemed to be aimed at mums, or at the very least, mums and dads. Yeah, there were no podcasts for dads specifically, and certainly not dads who want to be hands-on and do their share of raising their children. So, we started Dad Pod, a podcast by dads, Four dads who don't want to be shit dads. <laughs> Each week we share our own stories from the good and the bad to the thermonuclear tantrums, as well as talk with some of the biggest experts in the field to help all of us become better dads. So if you're a dad, a mum dad, or a dad to be, search Dad Pod where you get your podcasts. This podcast is a Tofop production. Head to tofop.com for more. The following episode of TOEFOP is rated MA for mature audiences. It may contain sexual references, time travel references, allegations of bin misconduct, and mild coarse language. TOEFOP advises that this episode is not suitable for anyone under the age of 15 or anyone who thinks a comedy conversation between two old mates sounds like a terrible idea for a show. Minors must be accompanied by a parent or guardian. This is John Deke speaking. Everyone relax. This is Tofop. I'm Charlie Clawson. I'm Will Anderson. I don't know how I, I... Hello and thank you for watching. I don't know how I feel about the start of this episode. Yeah. It's a discombobulated uh, podcast, yeah. Mike, is away for, for various reasons. And uh, I started the show, our normal pre-show banter with Mike, and then the countdown was not there. And then I just got a bit flustered about how... How do I start the show? Do I? Well, as we've explained to people recently, this is how the show now starts. There is an electronic countdown on the screen. So when we're on the screens as we are today, you'll be able to access this video on our YouTube uh, page, Tofop TV, or some of the video, an exclusive video on the Patreon page of all the episodes. So if you want to go and check out uh, entire episodes, the best thing to do is log on to the Patreon, patreon.com slash Tofop, is it? Correct. Correct. Okay. Uh, bonus episodes also every fortnight. I did forget to upload this uh, this last bonus episode, but that'll be coming as soon as we finish recording today. Oh, there'll be a well, bonus speaking of that, yeah. aren't you on our Patreon page? And I'm going to remind you that we had this conversation, yes. if you don't remember. On our Patreon page, if you've never checked out the bonus content that's on the Patreon page and you want to dip your toe in for free to have a little like, well, what are these bonus episodes? Yes. What do they sound like? Are they worth the uh, minimum of a dollar a month that I would have to buy <laughs> to subscribe to access this content. And uh, what so would you're that be? Put... Sorry, it'd be three yeah. cents a day, right? Is it three three point three cents a day? Is this podcast worth three point three cents a day? Is are the bonus episodes James Fosdyke's art? And not just if you sign up today. The thing is that, like, for your three cents a day, you're not just getting like one fortnightly bonus episode. You've got the back catalogue of bonus episodes as well. So Over I mean, it's the best stock. Bonus episodes. Plus all James's art, plus the comic strips. What I'm saying, Charlie, is best dollar you'll ever spend in your life. Best, <laughs> best value for a dollar cents. per day that you will ever spend in your entire life. So, um, but what happens now is on this like uh, Riverside Studios that we record on, it has a countdown from, where does it start? Eight Six. It's weird. Six. It's, it's weird. weird. I mean, but it has a countdown on screen. The numbers go down. And Podcast Mike has started instead of doing his countdown, he's been naming the episode. Tofop, what did you say today's episode was? 384. 
Tofop384 in 321, and he counts down with the electronic counter. But then this time, the electronic counter is counted down so we can start recording. Then you've sent a little message to Podcast Mike. <laughs> then you've said, we've already done the countdown, so I might as well start. And I did not like any of it. No, you I said did not, you, it's, it was the equivalent of you sat there with your arms folded yeah, and your mouth shut. Like, <laughs> this is not for me. I'm not sure that I can start the podcast officially with what has just happened. Well, I'm not sure I can start the podcast either, Will, because I've been I've been thrown on a loop. Um, uh, Gemma's dad is out visiting um, yep. from Portugal, arrived the other day, has been battling jet lag, but today is the first sunny day. Because Gemma with- is, of course, famously Portuguese, as we've <laughs> talked about many times. <laughs> On Gemma. Well, Gemma is not put. He's a. He's the interesting thing about Gemma's genealogy. Uh, Gemma was born and raised in Scotland, but her father is actually Czech and her mother's actually English. So, Gem doesn't look like anyone I've seen in Scotland before. <laughs> Let me just say that. Uh, and she doesn't really have the strongest of Scottish accents. Like you know, people always go, "Oh, she sounds more English." Well, both her parents were raised in in England, and now her father uh, lives. Um, in Portugal, but uh, he's been desperate to see his granddaughter, so he flew over, and it's it's just been the shittest weather. Like we've had up the last three weeks up here has been incredible weather, and then the day he arrived, it's just been raining every day and cloudy and stuff. Uh, but we had a nice sunny day today, and we've been promising Iona for the longest time that we'll take her to the Macadamia Castle, which I've never visited oh, yeah. before. Um, now, the Macadamia Castle, for those who don't know, is a animal sanctuary slash like themed kids play park not like roller coasters or anything more like playgrounds and water parks and just that kind of thing but it's mainly about you know an animal sanctuary okay Um, so firstly yeah the macadamia castle like is is it macadamia based are the like the rides and adventures nut based no macadamia theme anywhere in the entire park at all i think it is purely because it is situated amongst macadamia farms but I reckon that's a misleading title then. Yes. If I went to – I've always thought as I've driven past the Macadamia Castle and never into the Macadamia <laughs> Castle that the Macadamia Castle is not for me. I was like too too much nut-based entertainment in there yeah. as far as I'm concerned. But secondly, always occurred to me that if you're a parent who's super worried about like, you know, expo- you can't take peanut butter sandwiches to school anymore, I believe, from the right-wing editorials I've occasionally heard in taxis. <laughs> so – <laughs> like, could you take your kid to a macadamia castle? Or are uh, macadamias not the same nuts that create allergies? I've got so many questions. I don't know any of the answers to that. Mm. Um, I also don't even know. Uh, I didn't go. I didn't exit through the gift shop, uh, as oh, you meant to do. Okay. I exited back because uh, I dropped them off uh, so I could come back and record this very important podcast. Okay. Missing out on quality time with my father-in-law and my daughter and my wife just so I could come <laughs> record this podcast. Uh, but I imagine in the gift shop there would be stacks of like boxes of macadamias from from local farmers and, and so forth. Uh, but yes, there's, it's not like there's a giant macadamia um, mascot running around or anything like that. It's literally just any like any animal sanctuary you'd go to um see that's to me is a missed opportunity though surely like surely there should be like maca the macadamia or something right yeah i'm come to think of it like apart from so here's the thing about the macadamia castle mm. is when you drive past it yeah. it doesn't even really look like a castle they haven't even mm. painted fake sort of gray stone bricks on the outside it just kind of looks yeah. like a big long building i mean i sort of joked to Gemma and Rog, when we arrived, it's like, I know you guys, you know, spent a lot of time in Scotland, but prepare to be blown away by Australia's best castle. 
<laughs> macadamia castle. They even have a knight, like a 14-foot knight yes. out the front. But he's not even macadamia themed. Like it would make sense that he was a giant macadamia wearing like a knight's helmet or something, right? I mean, it would be great if he was the one when they had their like knight meetings, you know, when they all get together to have like discussions about knightly business, if he was the one who just brought the snacks. Yeah. Like, to, <laughs> you know, they, to be honest, his castle's not that impressive, but we all – Love having a few macadamias at these meetings, and so we're happy to have him involved. Now, I guess the problem with having a macadamia as a mascot is they are probably the most indistinct of all the nuts because what are they? Just like a pale sphere. They don't necessarily yeah. – I mean, it could be a macadamia. It could be a testicle. <laughs> like you really you – know, I mean, have you been to Testicle Castle? Fantastic. <laughs> Well, again, both nut-based theme parks. Yeah. But yeah, bust, bust a nut at Testicle Castle. <laughs> so here's what I'd say, though, about your macadamia. Yeah. Easy to turn into a head because I would say blank canvas, right, mm. because it's kind of head-shaped, like more head-shaped than a, like a cashew you could get away with if they were going to like have a cashew but mascot. Are you imagining the entire – I was imagining the entire body was a macadamia, like an yeah. M&M mascot you know how it's the whole body is the m m&m. they just put oh yeah well they could have like macadamia and macadamia m&m they could have their own m&m knock <laughs> yeah, knockoff just get sued by marshall mathers incorporated no i, I didn't mean m&m i actually meant that like that yeah there is that m&m theme oh. like you know park store or, or whatever yeah. it is and they have a lot of theme park things so yeah. why can't the macadamias get in on this m&m business i would love Eminem, the rapper, mm. to write a diss track about Macadamia Castle and the Northern Rivers. <laughs> Wouldn't that be I great? Mean, I mean, it rhymes with arsehole pretty yeah. well. Yeah. Well, <laughs> he's Don't worry. <laughs> he can find rhymes for orange. He's amazing. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, Macad- what, what I have said I've, while we've been having this conversation <laughs> is that I've looked up um, Macadamia Castle and the gift shop. And uh, here's what I will tell you you can buy in the gift shop at the Macadamia Castle. You can buy macadamia nuts. You can buy macadamia nuts in a shell. You can buy a nutcracker. You can buy a trio pack of macadamia nuts. You can buy honey. You can buy macadamia snacks. You can buy a, a fine food hamper, which is majority macadamia nuts. You can buy uh, macadamia nut biscuits, macadamia butter, uh, books about the Macadamia Castle. Mm. Um, Which would be very sorry. short. I imagine that's like three pages long. <laughs> and cooking macadamias. So most of the things you would have bought in the uh, gift shop or a stubby holder that says the Macadamia Castle. We're, we've done a nut episode before, uh, Top Nut, I believe. You can find it yes. in the archives. Uh, where do you rank macadamia amongst your favourite nuts? Well, I think that I could be won over by a castle is what I'm going to say. Mm. Like if I went to the Macadamia Castle and it was all Macadamia themed, I think I would walk out of that going, you know what? Macadamia is the king king of the nuts. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I think that I was surprised the first time I went overseas and um, I think someone told me, I was visiting a friend, oh, can you bring some Macadamias? And I was like, Macadamias, really? And discovering that, you know, for people who don't live in Australia, they're exotic and expensive and like Macadamia is considered a prized nut. I've always been fairly ambivalent about macadamias. I can get, I, I get the, you know, they've got a rich buttery quality, and you know they probably are adaptable in, in all kinds of cooking. But I don't go nuts for a macadamia. Will here's what I was going to say though. I'm spying an opportunity, right? Yeah. So, just as the Portuguese brought their chicken to Australia, <laughs> yeah. is there an opportunity here 
for macadamia nuts to be taken back to Portugal. So yeah. what I'm saying oh, is, yes, because doesn't even doesn't Gemma's dad have a boat? Yep. Okay, so he knows his way around like sea craft, right? So we load yeah. up a, we storm the macadamia castle, <laughs> we take over, <laughs> then we have a bloody coup of the macadamia. They're castle. pouring macadamia oil over the edge of the wall <laughs> to, to stop us, <laughs> and we take their nuts. Yeah. And we like load up a boat, send them over to Portugal, make ourselves a fortune. Yeah, it's awesome. We're, yeah, we're, we're basically reversing the reverso portos. Yeah, That's what we're doing. Oh, yeah, andos. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, andos. <laughs> and no one will know how to pronounce it. Is yeah. it andos or andos? <laughs> so in the Macadamia Castle, um, uh-huh. a classic scenario that happens with a toddler is you go to a place with the intention of A, but uh, their interest is taken by B, and so uh, oh, yeah, like that, course. like that American Express said, you buy them an expensive present; they just want to play with the box. So we go yeah. into Macadamia Castle, intending, you know, because Rogers never seen a kangaroo or a koala or any of these kind of things. So we're going to have a walk around the sanctuary and meet some of these animals. And Iona walks in and she's like, "No, nah, I can see a seesaw. I just want to play on that. I just want to sit okay. on that seesaw." And we're like, "All right." Mm-hmm. And so we go over in the seesaw and I'm saying to Jim, okay, we need to get her excited about like seeing the animals. We need to kind of, you know, win her over. And so started that kind of little <laughs> mind game thing about, you know, do you want to go feed a Joey? Do you want to go feed a wallaby? Or we could go see a koala. There's a petting zoo with goats and all this kind of stuff. And I was just about to nab her. But then she looked to her left at the little mini golf section. And what did she see? But that motherfucker Humpty Dumpty. Humpty Dumpty, <laughs> who has been haunting me ever since she discovered about Humpty Dumpty, every day, what was Humpty Dumpty doing on the wall? What's he doing on there? What, is he okay now? Did they put him back together again? Is he all right? Did he break his skull? Anyway, so Humpty Dumpty is like they've got this uh, at the mini golf, one of the obstacles is a, a giant wall and they have this Humpty Dumpty. Now, I mean, again, here's what I will say to you though. Missed opportunity for macadamia-related merchandise. I yeah. mean, surely there should be some – Humpty Dumpty of the macadamia world. I mean, they're basically the same show. Well, pretty much. So anyway, I went and took a close look at this Humpty Dumpty because that's all I only wanted to look at. Mm-hmm. And I've took a photo of this, Will. Yeah. Can you just look at that? Okay, just hold it still. Okay. Is that the sexiest Humpty Dumpty? <laughs> can, you, can you just touch your phone again so I can see? Um, look, at the, look at the bloody pegs on that Humpty Dumpty. I mean, I'm not Has not yeah. missed leg day. <laughs> I'm certainly not here to sec- to like shame in any way Humpty Dumpty, but like why why is it so fuckable? That seems weird to me. <laughs> it's <laughs> like- got the most beautifully defined cars, really lovely. Th- like I worked with a personal trainer, mm-hmm. Anna Coppola, who's a great business, the Brazilian Butt Express. It's all about yes. working on the lower body and giving yourself that peachy buttocks and those beautiful you know shaped uh, thighs and calves. This Humpty Dumpty has been doing Anna's workout. Like, and not only that, but seems to be wearing sort of like tight, a uh, tight Daisy Duke onesie. <laughs> Look how high, so, high cut that is. Firstly, and like, okay, so is Humpty Dumpty again, and I'm not here to define the sex of Humpty Dumpty, but is Humpty Dumpty meant to be a man or a, a woman? Or is that like a question I should not be asking in these times regardless? Oh, well, here's the thing. I had exactly the same thought. I'm like, I'm sexually attracted to Humpty Dumpty. I'm like, what does that say about me? And then I'm like, is Humpty Dumpty this kind of non-binary uh, like character? Like, or even from an entertainment point of view, like, you know. You know what? Some days I'm a little bit, some days I'm a little bit Humpty. Some yeah. days I'm a little bit Dumpty. That's the whole point. Well, then I went through the rhyme. 
And never right. once is gender identified. It's right. always like, it's always their name. It's Humpty Dumpty sat on the wall. Humpty mm. Dumpty had a great fall. All the king's horses, all the king's men couldn't put Humpty back together again. So it is not specifically outlined who Humpty Dumpty is or what Humpty Dumpty is. And then looking at that, I'm like, is Humpty Dumpty a macadamia nut? I mean, it is egg-shaped, but you could also argue that's a macadamia, couldn't you? In yeah, some... so they shouldn't have called that character Humpty Dumpty. They should have called it Buster Nut. <laughs> like Buster Rhymes, <laughs> but just Buster Nut. I like it's very it's a very northern. What I will say is, it looks like that Humpty Dumpty could easily do burlesque at the Brunswick Picture House as part of like a circus yes. show. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah, yeah. There's some late it, night cabaret show yeah. at the Brunswick Picture House, definitely. Yeah, exactly. And it, it, it I mean, is there a more statistical likelihood? That an egg, because we've I've always assumed that Humpty Dumpty was, I guess, a chicken egg, but it's never even defined really. Is that like what sort of egg Humpty Dumpty is? Is All it? Right. I've got the Humpty Dumpty Wikipedia up. Okay, okay. so we know is a it's an English nursery rhyme, uh, best known in the English speaking world. Typically portrayed as an anthropomorphic egg, although never explicitly described as that. The oh. first recorded rhyme dates back to the 18th century, so 1870. Well, that would make it the 19th century, wouldn't it? Late 18th century. Oh, no. Okay. So it was the rhyme came up in the 18th century, but then a tune was added in 1870 by James William Eliot. Its origins are obscure and several theories have been advanced to, okay, to suggest in. its original meanings. It was popularized in the United States on Broadway by George L. Fox, who did a pantomime musical called Humpty Dumpty, which ran from 1868 to 1869, did 483 performances, becoming the longest running Broadway show until it was surpassed by Hazel Kirk. Um, right. So we know what the song is. We know what the lyrics. Okay. Origins. The best, the earliest known version was uh, written in 1797 with the lyrics. Humpty Dumpty sat on a wall. Humpty Dumpty had a great fall. Four score men and four score more could not make Humpty Dumpty where he was before. Hmm. Okay. So, so that's 80 men and 80 more. So 160 yeah. Men and let's say that. So originally, I, I mean, here's what I would say. Firstly, is better plan than getting the horses involved. Whoever <laughs> yeah. this first person was, like, just getting like four score men and then four score more. I would have personally just got like ordered them all at the same time. They've made the classic mistake there of thinking they had enough men and then they've had to order in another four score more men. Um, but seems like a sensible plan. But couldn't yeah. get Humpty. What's the last line? Um, couldn't get could Humpty. Could not make Humpty Dumpty where he was before. So that's either mm. couldn't get him back up on the wall. I mean, the, or couldn't put him back together again. Yeah, where he was before. Mm. Okay. So um, in uh, eight, 1843. I mean, at this, to be honest, in its original incarnation, it just seems like some warning about like personal liability and safety, you know, doesn't it? Like there was a yeah. guy at work who fell off the wall and we got like heaps of, like, guys, we just need you to know this wall is. Unsafe. Really dangerous. Yeah. There was this guy, Humpty Dumpty. He sat on the wall. He had a great fall. We got like eight score men yeah. <laughs> in here and they could not. He's never been the same since. It's the equivalent of like a slippery and wet sign or, you know, they'll yeah. put that uh, when they've just mopped the floor, you'll just see like a fi yeah. figure of a person slipping over. Like in 1877, yeah. there's an illustration that they did and he just looks like a boy. Mm. A boy sitting on a wall. Actually, I don't know. I mean, he's dressed like a boy, but we still don't know. <laughs> Wearing long pants and a hat sitting on a wall. 
Uh, William Carey Richards quoted the poem in 1843 and commented, when we were five years old, the following parallel lines were propounded as a riddle. Humpty Dumpty, reader, is the Dutch or something else for an egg. So maybe that's the start of like Humpty Dumpty's like mm. Dutch slang for egg. A manuscript addition to a copy of Mother Goose Melody pump, uh, published in 1803 has a modern version with a different last line, could not set Humpty Dumpty up again. Hmm. Is that a, more of a dating reference? Like they couldn't set him up on another date? That could never set him up again. <laughs> <Yeah>. Once he'd <laughs> had the wall time, accident, people were real judgmental. They're like, well, well, what if we're sitting on a wall and he falls off again? Mate, can you please introduce me to your good looking friend? No, last time I did that, Humpty, you got, you got so drunk, you climbed up on that wall and you fell off. No, I believe he was part of a really popular comedy duo at the time and he was the guy who was doing the punchlines and his set up guy just like after that was just like, I just, his timing is completely out since <laughs> the wall thing. So there's three versions here that were published in the, over the next hundred years. So from the okay. mid 1800s to the mid uh, 19th, uh, the 20th century. Um, Humpty Dumpty sate on a wall. Humpty Dumpty, which is then misspelt. So instead of Y at the end of Humpty and Dumpty, there's an I. So Humpty Dumpty Y. Sat on a wall, sat on a wall. Humpty Dumpty I had a great fall. I don't know what the fuck you're doing with just changing the the lettering. Three score men and three score more. So we've downgraded from four score. (laughs) Cannot place Humpty Dumpty as he was before. Unnecessary editing there. Whoever the sub-editor was on that version of the poem, you just... Trying to earn a paycheck, trying to justify your position. Feels like, to be honest, a rights issue. Yeah. You know, they've just changed enough that they don't get sued by the original author. Okay, so in 1842, James Orchard Halliwell published a collected version as Humpty Dumpty lay in a beck with all of his sinews around his neck. 40 doctors and 40 rights couldn't put Humpty Dumpty to rights. And rights, the first one is W-R-I-T-H. Yeah, again, still, I mean, okay, maybe just clever written down, but when you're reading it to somebody doesn't read, fuck off. (laughs) All right, so the modern-day version we all know. But that's a gritty reboot of Humpty Dumpty, right? That's all about, like, last rights and the sinewy neck. And, like, this is is some modern poet. If Zack Snyder was going to do his Humpty Dumpty, he'd just be jacked. And just the vascularity, all that yolky egg just, like, pumping out of his, like, way too muscular body. If you want to tweet about this episode, just the words Humpty Dumpty, hashtag release the Snyder Cut will do. Thanks. (laughs) Uh, according to the Oxford English Dictionary, the term Humpty Dumpty refers to a drink of brandy boiled with ale. Okay. The riddle probably exploited for misdirection the fact that Humpty Dumpty was also 18th century reduplicative slang for a short, clumsy person. Okay. Yeah. So there's two things going on there. Yeah. yeah. It's a slur. It's an <laughs> insult, right? What? Mate, this Humpty Dumpty was sitting on the wall. Drunk like, out of his mind. Drunk, blind. Yeah. And he fell off the wall. This unco Humpty Dumpty yeah. got <laughs> smashed, pissed. <laughs> That's what he'd be called. If it, if it was an Australian myth, his name would be Unco Dunco. <laughs> <laughs> unco Dunco got a bit <laughs> pissed. <laughs> unco Dunco tried to sit in a wall but missed. <laughs> Landed on his ass. What a good joke. Unco <laughs> Unco Dunco is a real bad bloke. <laughs> okay, the real may depend upon the assumption that a clumsy person falling off a wall might not be irreparably damaged, whereas an egg would be. Yeah. The rhyme is no longer posed as a riddle. Okay, so the original idea is, all right, so a drunk guy falls off a wall, is he okay, is he not? Then the egg thing came in. What, so a, no- what a brilliant riddle. 
<laughs> that should have been in the Batman. Wouldn't that yeah. have been great? <laughs> Unco Dunco. Got a bit pissed. Tried to sit in a wall, but he missed. Okay. The rhyme is no longer posed as riddle since the answer is now so well known. Similar riddles have been recorded by folklorists in other languages, such as Bully Bully in French, Little Trill in Swedish and Norwegian. We could get Elias to check that out. Um, Elias, if you're listening to this episode, can you confirm? Is there a Little Trill uh, nursery rhyme? And then Runt Zenken Punt Zenken. Or Humplenken, <laughs> Runt Zelken, Punt Zelken, or yeah. Hump Elken, Pump Elken in different parts of Germany, yeah. although none is widely known as Humpty Dumpty in English. Okay, so one of those acts like the Hoodoo Gurus, <laughs> big, in, big in Australia, but nowhere else. Humpty Dumpty is big in English speaking countries, but nowhere else. Um, okay, what's the meaning of Humpty Dumpty? Right. Does not explicitly state that he's an egg. Possibly because where did rigid. this egg thing come in? Like it was just about the fact that, like, that he was hard to repair. Is that all that we've based the entire egg thing on? I guess so. When it shifted from is he okay or is he not, yeah. you needed a, you needed an element that would conclusively say no, he's not. And so, yeah. what's the most fragile Cause he's thing an that egg. you can? <laughs> Like, I mean, in the writer's room, in the 1870 writer's room, do you think mum was like, forsooth, we think we need a second draft? Me thinks we need a second draft? Um, Because he's an egg. But why does he have legs then if he's an egg? And why is he walking? How did he get on the wall in the first place? Why is he an egg with legs? And then this third guy's like, look, if he's going to have egg legs, can they be sexy? Can he be ripped? Like he's done a Brazilian Butt Express workout. (laughs) Uh, there are also various theories of an original Humpty Dumpty, one advanced by Catherine Elwes Thomas in mm-hmm. 1930 and adopted by Robert Ripley. I love how this Wikipedia entry names all these people as if I'm like, oh, of course. Well, Catherine Elwes Thomas mm-hmm. and Robert Ripley had a theory. Yeah, uh, I, don't, I don't know if I believe it or not about Ripley. <laughs> posits that Humpty Dumpty is King Richard III of England, oh, yeah. depicted as a humpbacked in Tudor histories oh. and particularly in Shakespeare's plays, mm-hmm. who was defeated despite his armies in Bosworth Field. So ah. a bit of political satire All right. going on. So Humpty and Humpty is King Richard III, is that what you said? Richard III, yeah. Richard III. Mm-hmm. So it's a political poem disguised as sort of like something else because maybe it's yeah, you know, your head's you don't off. Don't be slagging the king. Yeah. yeah, right. But Humpty Dumpty had a great battle, completely fucked it up, couldn't, and kept sending in more troops, but still couldn't repair it. Yeah, and which would explain yeah. the king's horses and the king's men. Why that's mm-hmm. that's more of a military kind of imagery, yeah. right? Um, in 1785, Francis Gross uh, noted that Humpty Dumpty was a short, clumsy person of either sex, also oh. all, also ale boiled with brandy, uh, but no mention of the rhyme punch magazine in 1842 suggested jocularly that the rhyme was a metaphor for the downfall of Cardinal Wolseley. Hmm. Just as Wolseley was not buried in his intended tomb. So Humpty Dumpty was not buried in his shell. All right. So I don't know what happened to Cardinal Wolseley, but clearly, you know, didn't get the I mean, end that he wanted. I don't feel like that's the, the, oh, the well, best yeah. interpretation. So why is Richard the third? You're like, Oh, that makes sense. But then yeah. Cardinal Wolseley suddenly you're like, oh, I don't know about that. Oh, well, because I've heard of Richard III. (laughs) (laughs) We call that cognitive bias, Will. (laughs) Professor David Daub suggested uh, that Humpty Dumpty was a tortoise siege engine 
an armoured frame used unsuccessfully to approach the walls of parliamentary-held city of Gloucester in Mm. (laughs) 1643-1643 during the siege of Gloucester in the English Civil War. Okay. I mean, that fits in with the Richard III thing, right? That makes sense. Like it's the Gallipoli of uh, 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 nursery rhymes, a, a, a failed attempt at something. This was the basis of a contemporary account of the attack, but without evidence that the rhyme was connected. The theory was part of an anonymous series of articles on the origin of nursery rhymes and was widely acclaimed in academia, but was derided by others as ingenuity for ingenuity's sake and declared to be a spoof. Mm -hmm. The link was nevertheless popularized in the children's opera, All the King's Men. From 1996, the website of the Colchester Tourist Board attributed the origin of the rhyme to a canon recorded as used in the Church of St. Mary at the Wall by Royalist defenders in 1684. The wall was, the, the, the town was walled, uh, had a castle inside and several churches which were protected by this wall. The story given that a large cannon, which the website claimed was colloquially called Humpty Dumpty, was strategically placed on the wall. A shot from the Royal Parliamentary Cannon succeeded in damaging the wall beneath Humpty Dumpty that caused the cannon to tumble to the ground. That one, that to me, pretty, makes the most sense, right? That's pretty compelling as well. I, the and only one also I'm, came the up only in 1996, <laughs> you know, not fucking witch doctors and people who put leech on you, leeches on your body. The, uh, the, uh, you know what? The, the only one I'm willing to rule out at this stage is Wolseley. The yeah. rest of them <laughs> could be... Cardinal Wolseley. Uh, okay. So uh, Albert Jack claimed in 2008 um, the secret meaning in his book, Pop Goes the Weasel, the secret meanings of nursery rhymes. <laughs> that, yeah, that's a terrible title for a book. That there were two other verses supporting this claim, so the claim about the canon. Uh, elsewhere, he claimed to have found them in an old dusty library in an even old older book, but did not state what the book was or where it was found. Whoa, <laughs> so, like, okay. that doesn't hold up under doesn't, scrutiny, does it? it? No. Uh, it's been pointed out that two additional verses are not in the style of the 17th century poem or the existing rhyme. They don't fit with the earliest printed versions of the rhyme, which do not mention horses and men. All right. And then it just talks about okay. Humpty in popular culture. Oh, so, one little okay. entry before we go. Yeah. There is a category in the Humpty Dumpty Wikipedia page, which is science. Humpty Dumpty has been used to demonstrate the second law of thermodynamics. Oh, yeah. The law describes a process known as entropy, a measure of the number of specific ways in which a system may be arranged, often taken to a measure of disorder. The higher the entropy, the higher the disorder. After his fall and subsequent shattering, the inability to put him together again is representative of this principle, as it would be highly unlikely, though not impossible, to return him to his earlier state of lower entropy, as the entropy of an isolated system never decreases. Mm. The Humpty Dumpty principle. Hmm. Interesting. <laughs> is it? I hope so, because we're half an hour in. If it's not, yeah, well, I'm. You know what has got me the most is what that we just always assume. I mean, again, this is like I mean, this is history, right? This is exactly mm-hmm. the way that things have been throughout history. But I've always assumed that Humpty Dumpty was a man, and there's no reason to, right? Like yeah. he's an egg. Like assuming that like an egg doesn't have any genitals, like so. And I imagine that eggs. I don't know what the probability is, depending on what type of egg he is. But the likelihood that it would be male or female would probably be 50-50 mm. or something else. I don't I, You know, whatever. I'm not here to, you know, put, put, put Humpty Dumpty into a category Humpty Dumpty <laughs> doesn't feel comfortable with. But the idea that 
he's always been represented as as a him as a male is just it's probably just that the hero of the story is always a man although is Humpty Dumpty even the hero of this story I don't think Humpty Dumpty is because like Humpty well he's Dumpty a very just- passive if he is the hero like generally in screenwriting your protagonist has to be active uh, in order to influence a story, everything just happens, Dumpty Dumpty. It's more it's true. He what is more? He was sitting on a wall. He fell off a wall. Yeah, it's more like if Humpty Dumpty was a horror movie. Um, because in horror movies, the structure of a horror movie tends to be innocence. You know, in uh, an innocent group or an innocent person walks into a dangerous place and then becomes assaulted by the the evil forces. So, yes, they are the hero of the story, but they have no agency or control over what's happening to them. You know, Wolf Creek is a classic example of those characters just sort of blindly wander into the the, the hornet's nest and, and get attacked. So Humpty Dumpty, yes, is a protagonist, but he is a, he's a passive protagonist. <laughs> I mean, is there a feature film? Like they're adapting, you know, there's a Barbie movie coming out, you know, they made a battleship movie. Like why would Hollywood, could they do the feature film of Humpty Dumpty? And what would you do? Okay. So, all right. So, yes is the answer. I mean, there's absolutely Humpty Dumpty. It's not even that – doesn't even sound that silly anymore when, you know, the biggest movies are like, uh, you know, um, Sonic the Hedgehog movies and, you know, all those sort of things. I don't think the idea of doing a, like, reboot of Humpty Dumpty in some form. Yeah. Like, but what sort – what style of movie are you making? Like, that's the first thing that you've got to Have you seen – on the Disney Channel, so the Lonely Island guys um, have done this, like uh, well, Chip and Dale, who were like a. Uh, yeah, a, I remember Chip and Dale. Yeah, okay. So they've done like a, a feature film, but it's kind of like a modern day Who Framed Roger Rabbit, where live action and and animated characters coexist. And the idea is that Chip and Dale had this show in the early nineties, and they were poised to be really famous. And then the like, much like Five, <laughs> they split apart. <laughs> And now it's present day and Chip is still doing like con circuits, holding onto his fame and Dale is working in for an insurance company or, or vice versa. I can't remember which way. Um, but they do a very good job of being a kind of uh, uh, a, a, a revived property feature film while also satirizing the very genre. So they mm-hmm. make jokes about like Sonic the Hedgehog and the, the shift between animation styles and the the way all these films have a moment for where for some reason the lead character has to do a rap because you've got to sell merchandise and that kind of stuff. So my feeling is you'd go very much in that DreamWorks Pixar style where you modernize Humpty Dumpty. You want to sell a ton of like plush dolls and, you know, merchandise and stuff like that. So you want him to be cute and cuddly and you want to rap. And I think that the marketing of it is all around like um, – you remember when uh, Bobby Brown brought out Humpin' Around? Do you remember the album yeah. artwork? And it was mm-hmm. just like Bobby's back and it just said like Bobby's back. I think you just have the back of an egg mimicking that album cover and just have like um, Humpty's back, humping around. Okay. So was there a – so there was Bobby Brown's Humpin' Around, which I definitely I just think – has to be on the soundtrack, yeah. right? Yeah, like yeah, he does a key, a, a watered down kids version of. What are the lyrics to hump, hump, "Humping Around"? You got them there? I, w- I will uh, get them. <laughs> I was going to look up the Humpty Hump, which is another one we would definitely put on. <laughs> oh, the, there's a zillion songs. Like yeah. Um, all right, here we go. So "Humping Around." Let's see what we. Uh, 
when you, let's see if we can base the entire um, uh, Humpty Dumpty movie on the lyrics from Bobby Humpin Brown's Humping Around. That's, Are I we think that's our the lyrics or we, or we interpreting them? Well, we're reinterpreting them. Okay, yeah, that's great. right. Yeah. yeah. When you trust someone and you know you're on their back. Mm. Mm, okay. You ain't okay, well, no- right, the first thing I'll <laughs> okay. say is yes. the king's horse, right? So maybe Humpty's best mates uh-huh. with one of the king's horses. Oh, yeah. And uh-huh. so he's he says to the horse at the start of the song, hey, man, like, whatever happens, I know you got my back. Whatever happens to me, I can trust you, horse. So that's right. what he's talking about. That's good. That's really good, actually. You ain't... <laughs> You ain't got no trusting about you and you claim that you don't care what, where I'm at. What? (laughs) Let me just say that Humpty Dumpty is a much, much better lyricist than Bobby Brown. You've given me reason to doubt you. Say you trust someone. Why are you calling all around? Think I've got some dip on the side. Oh, yeah. Like Egg and Soldiers? Like Egg and Soldiers? (laughs) That's right. Yeah. (laughs) You dip into the yolk with your, your soldier? Is it your toast soldier? Yeah, okay. So Humpty Dumpty's been having an affair with a soldier. Right? <laughs> oh, and the horse has caught wind. Yeah, exactly. Maybe okay. it's the soldier's horse. Maybe this is like the love triangle, right? Yeah, it's a like love it's, it. it's between the non-gender defined Humpty Dumpty, the, the king's horse, and the soldier who rides the king's horse. Yeah. Okay. Some dip on the side. <laughs> So the soldier's been dipping his soldier his toast into, yeah. into Humpty. Yeah, I correct. Guess. Girl, you don't trust no one and you're constantly in doubt. You lose the game if you play that way. Okay, so I'm confused all of a sudden. Whose perspective is this from? The horse's um, perspective? Oh, interesting. Because the horse is the one who feels wronged or is it Humpty defending the fact? Like saying, hey, stop checking my phone and stuff, horse. Yeah, totally, man. Like, I'm just an egg. I'm just a human egg. I don't even have a pocket. Have you seen how sexy my legs are? Check these out. I'm going to do some squats. Get up off my back. Oh, it's the horse. It's the horse talking. Oh, yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, get up off my back. (laughs) Save a heart attack. Okay, so hang on. Just pause for a second. So I think the soldier and Humpty are the established couple. Right. But now the soldier has accused the horse of having an affair with Humpty. Oh, yeah, good point. Yeah, this is good. Yeah, right. Okay, this is good. Because um, <laughs> so, that makes sense for save a heart attack because you know what you need to do to stop heart attacks? Less eggs, right? Less eggs. Too much so, cholesterol. Yeah. Ain't nobody humping around. Ain't nobody humping around. <laughs> <laughs> right, it makes so much more sense, this song now. <laughs> no matter what they say, no, it ain't that way. Ain't nobody humping around. Nobody humping around. So the horse is on his soldier. I'm not humping Humpty. Yeah. Not humping around. I'm not humping around, man. Not humping when, around. When you love someone and you know and you want to love them right, got to get more loving about you and you know that you're holding on too tight. Soon they will be leaving without you. Say that you love someone. Why are you calling all my friends thinking I've got something to hide? Girl, you don't love no one. You don't know what love's all about. You lose the game if you play that way. <laughs> Jesus Christ. This horse. Fucking hell. This horse protests protest too, too much, Too much. Will. Too much. 
after that, there's not really much left in there. Oh, no. There's, where's the rap yeah. bit? Call me Brown, because that's what I'm called, that bit. Oh, that's the best part what? of the song. Actually, it's not in this lyrics. Back uh, to the beat, beat Brown. That's yeah. got to be in there. The rap part of Humping Around is the best bit. You know what? It is not in the list that I have uh, of the lyrics, though, which is not helping me. Humping Around um, Rap. I'll find it. Uh Here's an interesting fact about the um, song Humpin' Around. Original title was called Fuckin' Around. (laughs) (laughs) Why did I stick with that? Uh, Get up my back. Uh, Yeah, right. Where is the rap? I'm I'm sure there's a rap breakdown in it. Maybe I was imagining it. So call me Brown because that's what I'm called. Do you know what I'm talking about? (laughs) Or am I imagining Uh, that? Maybe I've Mandela affected that. I always thought that Maybe. was a wrap. Maybe it's from another. Um, well, let's uh, get to the letter yeah. letter bag, the, the mail bag, the, where you send mail to <laughs> just a little bit early. <laughs> okay, let's do that. Because um, I was uh, toying with the idea of doing an entire episode around this, but I think well, I think the Humpty's been good stuff. But okay. there is, let's give ourselves a bit of room to investigate this. Um, uh, this is a letter from someone known as Verity. It's very exciting. When I saw this in the inbox and I read the subject, a J sighting from five. Right. <sighs> oh my gosh. All right. Oh my God. To Colin Fop. Charlie, I know you suggested you don't need any more five emails, but given A, you speak about them in every podcast, including playing one of their songs in the most recent podcast, and B, you've always stated that you want to know that J is okay. I wanted to make sure you'd been made aware of a documented J sighting. All right. Okay. So this Gosh. is during the Jason Reitman episode of the Off menu podcast hosted by UK comedians James A. Caster and Ed Gamble. Are you familiar with those comedians? Very funny comedians. Both of them are excellent comedians. Um, James A. A. Caster has a series of specials on Netflix, all of which are worth checking out. He is absolutely hilarious. Okay, so the conversation goes thusly. James says, I've done gigs for people in Hay on the Y." And they'd be delighted. So Hay on the Y is a part of Wales, I believe. And remember, Will. Also sounds, by the way, like a, a lyric from Jay. Yeah. Like Hay on the Y, <laughs> yeah. Jay to the Y. <laughs> remember that I said I couldn't work out where his accent was from and it struck yeah. me that maybe he was Welsh? I think mm-hmm. that's correct. Okay. okay. So I've done gigs for people on Hay on the Y and they'd be delighted. Ed then says, you feel weird. You, it's because they're talking to Jason Reitman, director of uh, Ghostbusters mm-hmm. Revival or whatever that fucking awful film's called. Um you feel weird being a filmmaker at a literary festival. Imagine being a comedian at a literary festival. They do not give a shit about you. James then says, yeah, it's basically a lot of amused readers and Jay from Five. Oh, we should probably tell you who Jay from Five is. They were a boy band in the 90s called Five. Jason Reitman says, yeah, that was my guess. <laughs> James then says, and Jay was like the one who would do the rapping bits, but you know, he wasn't strictly a rapper, which I would agree with James. That's a fairly accurate description. Jason Reitman then says, How's he doing? James says, Well, he lives in Hay on the Y now. Just I wish I wish that Jason Reitman had just said, without knowing the context, is Jay okay? <laughs> I just wish that's what he said. James says he lives in Hay on the Y now and he doesn't like it if you point out at a comedy gig that he's Jay from Five. That's how he's doing. Yeah, okay. Well, that (laughs) doesn't – based on what we know about Jay from Five, he's wanted to distance himself from being Jay from Five. Yes, that's right. He doesn't want to be famous anymore. So um, 
I feel bad because I which, still Which, I wanna... mean, you know a way you could have not been famous anymore? What? Stayed in five. Yeah. <laughs> oh. <laughs> uh, so Verity says, thanks. I hope that helps with the mystery and gives you some confidence. Thanks so much for all your podcasts, Verity. Uh, that is awesome. So I did- I've put... never been to Wales. Have you been no, to Wales? Have I. No, no. So I looked up hay on the Y. Yeah. So um, it's just obviously it's often abbreviated just hay, which I thought was great. So you could say Jay's from hay. <laughs> Jay from hay, I love it. Uh, it's a market town and community in Powell's. It's historically the the in the county of Brecknockshire. What's with your fucked up town names in the UK? Brock Brecknockshire. I mean, but why, of all the ones that you could get in Wales, that's actually pretty friendly. I got to be honest with you, they'll get worse. <laughs> Uh, the population is very small, so less than 2,000 people, and it has not changed much since 1901. So you're telling me that Jay from Five lives in a town of 2,000 people. That's we like, could find him if we went there. Absolutely could Fucking find him hell, if we, we went should there. do that. Should we do a Patreon level where the if we just fly to Wales pay, to pay our airfares and we don't have to fly business class, we'll go premium economy. I mean, I probably need to fly business class. <laughs> yeah, Will class. needs to go business class. <laughs> At least one business class airfare. But if Will's going business class, I should go business class because yeah, I mean, you can't send two people on the same flight and have me fucking- It'd be mean. We, it'd be unfair. So, yeah, so we've got business to get- Business class airfares to Wales. To Wales. And Will and I, we're not going to be- Look, oh, we'll respect his privacy. Oh, absolutely not. Yeah, we're not yeah. going to go out of our way We're not going to harass him. No. But in a town of 2,000 people- If we how- spent a week in this town, yeah, we'd see him at least three times, you'd hope, right? You'd think so, unless he's like a complete recluse who lives on a farm, in which case we may have to harass him. Go and find him, yeah. Then we, then we might have to go and find him. I mean, how do we do it, though? So we arrive in town, and I'm looking at photos yeah. of it. It is like tiny. I mean, probably the same size as the town I live in now in terms of like the actual main street and stuff. And I see, I, I, I think I've seen pretty much, I've eyeballed everyone in my town of yeah. 5,000 people. So I reckon what, we'd go there and then we'd just go to the public places first, like the bu- yeah. pubs and a couple of restaurants, supermarkets. Yeah. Would Do we ask around or do we want to play it like, you know? I oh, know. I think we have to play it dumb. I think that yeah. what, from what I know about Jay is that Jay would get freaked out by the idea that, I mean, I think we're going to have to like change our identities. Right. Because and if there's any, like, have you seen that if there's two Australians in town, like Will and Charlie, I think Jay's the sort of guy who'd be like, they're here to see me. Like, who else are we there to see, right? Suddenly he does some Googling. You know, he knows that we've been talking about on the podcast. I think we have to go in incognito. Will, I mean, they laid it out for us in, in, in the podcast, bloody James. And, Comedy and, gig. Yeah, well, they have a literary festival. Mm. Aren't you, oh, is yeah. it, can we talk about what you're working on at the moment? I mean, yeah, yeah, I think that's probably fine. That I, yeah, I have a book. That, that, uh, hopefully, it's can we come launch it search. at the Hay Festival? I'll just go with you, and that way, what if I can claim what it if on I tax. Ask, yeah, what if I ask the publishers? I only have one request that I need to launch it at this literary festival that they have. Hay to the Y. Um, so, how, but, how do we ensure he, we get him there, though? Well, but wasn't the idea that he was at? Gigs? Like, wasn't that in part of it as well? Or was that at the Literary Festival? Was he he at- was in the crowd at the crowd. Literary Festival where yeah, the two comedians, okay. James and the other guy, what's his name? Um, Ed. Yeah, Ed. Uh, James and Ed. Yeah. So, okay, well, that's all That's all I need to do is to get invited to this Literary Festival. Yeah. There's quite a few notable people from yeah. Hay. So uh, you'd be Who? familiar with Terry. I'm from Terry. Hayfield. Do you think that yeah. that's – is it spelled the same way? Is it H-A-W? H-A-Y, sorry? 
uh, or is it H H A Y? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, yeah. Hey on, hey on Y. So uh, hey, oh, you know what? I, you know what I've got to do here. I've got to launch a sister city program between Hayfield. That's a great population twelve hundred and Hey on Y oh, population two thousand. Right, we have a little like this is good. This is better. We go in. Does, the back Hay, door. does Hayfield have any kind of festival, like literary festival? Of, yeah. No, no, no. Normally Didn't you guys used to publish the newsletter and stick it to like the, the town notice board? Isn't that your literary festival? Oh, the, Hayfield, yeah, Hayfield News. the tennis courts are about. closed this weekend. <laughs> uh, yeah. Okay. So there's quite a few notable people there. So Terry Pratchett mm. is from Hay. Ian oh, Finlayson, really? yeah, who's an author, is from Hay. Quite a few. I mean, it makes sense. They have a literary festival. There's, they've produced yeah. a bunch of very famous authors. And okay. Jay from Five, who is one of the famous lyricists in uh, yeah. UK pop history, uh, he's the resident president. He's the fifth element. <laughs> Superfly if- Snooker Stone Cold's how he's hitting them. <laughs> so who else did you say? Those. You said Terry Pratchett and who? Terry Pratchett, um, Ian Finlayson, uh, 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 Jerry Valentine, uh, Greg Haver, not um, who's a music producer, uh-huh. uh, Jasper Jasper Ford, no Jasper Ford. With, how's this? Jasper oh, Ford yeah. is an author yep. who wrote the Thursday Next series. His name is spelt Ford, F F O R D E, double F O R D E, Jasper Ford. Yeah. That sounds like it must be Swedish in origin or something. Double F's at the start. I mean, I don't know. Not mean, I don't, Fjord. I, I don't know what the Welsh are doing. I uh, know that they're Dawson, using a lot of stuff. <laughs> Christopher Dawson, who uh, is an author. And then someone who lived from nine. Okay, Richard Booth, who passed away recently. He was born in 1938. All it says under his description as a notable person is the self-proclaimed King of Hay. Oh, <laughs> Okay, like is this like a, you know, Cameron Ling was the king of Geelong, so the mayor of Geelong vibe? Richard Richard George William Pitt Booth was a British bookkeeper and bookseller known for his continued contribution to the success of Hay on Wye as a centre for secondhand bookselling. He was also the self-proclaimed king of Hay. So he must have been instrumental in the uh, literary festival. I mean, it sounds um, pretty amazing that a town of 2,000 people could have such a rich literary yeah. history right like yeah. I'm, i mean you know what i'm interested in going to visit the, the birthplace of terry pratchett this is actually to be honest with you charlie yeah i've got two things to do on this trip now i want to go and see you know where terry pratchett lived and i want to see if jay is okay i'm actually looking up now flights uh to london <laughs> to see like because you know i mean how much would we have to raise do you think like what do you know off the top of your head with a business class flight to to the UK, let's just say let's just say twenty thousand dollars to cover our costs. Is that that seems like a, is that a lot for the trip? All right, okay. I mean, it's the UK. It's the it's the it's it's as far away from here as you can possibly get, basically. All right. So All right. let's uh, uh, return when. Okay, this is great. I've got us flying a confirm. So I'm just clicking on flights, seeing how much it's going to cost. Mm-hmm. Two adults. Yeah. All right. Now, Charlie, am I missing the obvious one, which is should we be going there? Like, I mean, I know that we joked about the idea of me getting invited to the literary festival, which I'm not saying isn't a possibility, but could we just visit Hay during the little? When is the literary festival? Oh, good question. That's what I want to know. Because if we went during that festival, I mean, I assume they're going to have 
tourists in town at that time. It seems that Jay goes out to events. This might be the sort of time because if you could like go, oh, oh my God, that's Jay over there. And you could go and talk about the same book with each other. Oh, you like this book? I like this book too. That seems to me to be a way in with Jay. <laughs> Is that when like I'm just leafing through the five autobiography or that probably came out in 1999? <laughs> okay, so the literary festival, uh, well, it's coming up, 23rd of November, which I actually think is a good time for you and I to head over because two guys on cup will be done, so I've got a bit more free time. Yeah. Will your book be done by then? I mean, I mean, I mean, your, your publisher might be listening, so maybe <laughs> Cer- let's not- certainly, 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 everybody involved in it will hope that that is the case. Yes. Okay. Well, it's the yeah. So it's it's on from the twenty third of November. Um. Oh no, hang on. Sorry, that's the Winter Weekend Festival. The, the next Hay Festival okay. is next year, twenty fifth of okay, May to the fourth of June is the Hay Festival. Okay, that's doable. Yeah. Okay. That's doable. I mean, I'm, I, I'm, I think we could maybe do this. There's special content. Like we, sh- we shoot it. As we go the, 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 the search for Jay. <laughs> I mean. I mean, didn't like Cameron James and Alexi, they made a whole bloody podcast about this, right? Are we, are we leaning into their territory, finding Jay? Well, you know, the problem is that we'd have to call it, is Jay okay? Clearly, because that's all we're trying to work out, is Jay okay? But I, it feels to me this one a little bit more like the person who made that uh, Richard Simmons oh, yeah, radio yeah, yeah. podcast, where like they, yeah, it was like, I'm going to mm. find Richard Simmons. And Richard Simmons was like, I'm actually really comfortable not being yeah. down. Could you please leave me alone? <laughs> I feel like that's what this well, is. Well, what if we did? Like, theoretically, if we. Yeah located him or you know someone at the pub says hey look i know you guys are looking for jay he's willing to have oh. a sit down and chat with you but you can't record it or film it or anything like that yeah i'll oh. be okay with that i just want to like pick it's his horrible. brain i just want to like talk about yeah. what happened <laughs> like and yeah. it's not even like like I, I, I oh how could you turn your back on fame i'm just like i'm fascinated by the fact that you just went from like a like a hundred to zero you just decided you're here and then you're gone and now now you're in Hey, on why? What about if, if Jay says, I'm happy to meet you guys. I only have one requirement. We can talk about anything but five. five. Which would probably, I think, would be. Uh, that yeah. would be, yeah. Um, yeah, I guess so. But what are we going to talk about? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I assume that Jay has other interests. I'd be interested to know how Jay's passing his time, I, what he's doing I think that's fine because I think that with all the research I've done this year, I can construct – I know the timeline of what happened with Five and, and stuff. I just it, – it's we just need to ask everything that happened from that point. Yeah. So, you know, from your last TV appearance, 2013, to The Big Reunion, mm. you know, that's, that's all I want to know. What are you doing now? And yeah. do you ever rap? I mean, does that – that's not about Five specifically, but mm. do you ever rap to yourself? Do you ever just spit out a rhyme? You know what? That's fine. Do you ever watch an episode of Inspector Gadget and say this should be an entire rap? That was all abs. Oh, I'm wondering more abs. like, does he yeah. watch what was that um, that reality show we loved? Uh, Hustle and not Hustle and Flow. Um, yeah, uh, was wasn't it called Hustle and Flow? Rhyme no, and that Hustle. Was the movie. Hustle and uh, Flow and Rhyme and Flo- Stealing. What was it called? Yeah, <laughs> that, that show we loved that we cannot remember. <laughs> Hustle and uh, Flow? No, no. What was it called? Uh, uh, rap, you're typing in Chance rap reality show. Yeah. Uh, Cardi B show. It was called Rhythm and Flow. Rhythm and Flow, that's right. 
which sounds like a rap duo themselves. Uh, Will, let's get to the rest of the mailbag and then we can wrap it up. Uh, this is from Scott, who's got a few questions for us, um, uh, Fofop-based questions. Hey, Fofop, it's time for me to do some fantalizing Fofop Fitbits. Oh, I get it right. Nice. Oh, yeah. Good. Uh, the first one's for Charlie. Why don't you have guest, guest Wills on your episodes? Ah, Referring to the trope when you do a Fofop where you introduce or yep. at least refer to your guest as a guest, Charlie. Because um, I think that's Will's thing. Mm. I'm not necessarily, uh, you know, Will started Fofop as a kind of like, you know, replacement Tofop and then that was the joke. That's not how I've entered the Fofop universe. I've just kind of waited for Will to create a successful product and then piggybacked, mm. <laughs> piggybacked in with the guest that I want to talk the to. Good, so. The good news is it coincided me, with me not having the time to do it. So it worked really well for both of us. So it was a win-win. Uh, after listening to Will's business idea to make medicated butter, that was your Ben Russell episode, I believe. Oh, yes. I couldn't help but reach out and suggest the brand name, 30-odd uh, foot of butter, Tofob. And then you can make your margarine variety, which would be Fofob. Mm, I'm not sure I'm cutting Charlie and Sam and the rest in on my butter business. This is like, this is my <laughs> this is solo. Yeah, not yeah. every idea that we come up with in Tofob is proprietary owned by yeah. Tofob. If I'm going into the medicated butter business with Ben Russell, then it's tough that I have to go to Ben. Look, by the way, we're going to have to cut off like a half of the business to send it to other people. I mean, the great thing about doing it with Ben Russell is like, you've got the you've got the pedigree of um, dairy endorsement because Peter Russell Clark, it's a pretend yeah. kill. It's, it's and now you've got Ben Russell and then we, I don't know, you have to add something. Uh, ben Russell, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> it's a pretend weed cow. I was actually going to say that it, like Ben Russell style, you know, Trump used to ring publicists and newspapers and stuff pretending that he was his own, like, and kind of get stories in about how cool he was and who he was dating. Yeah. I feel like Ben Russell would just be like, he he's doing voices all day. I've got yeah. him in the other room ringing people, pretending to be all these important people. He's just like, you wouldn't believe it. Just got off the phone and like, <laughs> Christopher Walken was just yeah. like, raving about this medicated butter. Uh, he also says, I'm loving the new Gruen Will. Can't wait for the new question everything. And the new dad pod is great stuff, Charlie. Uh, good to know what's in store for me with my one-year-old daughter. So please hurry up and book a new Tofop Fofop Lives. Please, cheers, go Saints. Uh, thanks, Scott, for writing in. Uh, yes, yeah. if you want to check out oh, dad pod, you would have heard the trailer at the start of this episode. You can. You can find it wherever you find your podcasts. And speaking of Fofop, um, I'm doing a back-to-back Ben McClay. You might know him as Thomas Violence. On Twitter, hilarious writer and also uh, running a festival in Brisbane, a film festival in a couple of weeks. So we talk- Part of our festival of Bens that we're having on the show. <laughs> yeah. There's been a lot of Bens on, <laughs> on Fofop recently. Um, can I also say we are going to try to do some live shows at some stage, but obviously with COVID and our general life restrictions at the moment, it still is pretty impossible. But speaking of live shows, I am doing five uh, return shows of my award-winning Willogical show. It won Best Show at the Sydney Comedy Festival, so we're coming back. Doing a lo-fi version, no backdrop, unfortunately, but uh, the actual show, you get to see the entire show. You just get to see it on stage at the Sydney Comedy Store. Five shows only, selling very fast uh, at the end of this month. So um, they are on sale and there should be a, uh, a Melbourne show coming on sale very soon. I will, and I don't know why we don't do this more often, just um, I'll get a link and I'll put it in the episode description. So if you want tickets to see Will, click in the episode description below. 
this is from Joslyn. Hello, gents. First time writing. Not my first time writing, but a rum. But I'm rum drinking during school holidays. And it's brought to surface a few questions. Well, that's okay. always good. Uh, number one, Charlie, have you ever done or thought of doing stand-up? Well, Joslyn, the intro for this show, Everyone Relax, is based on my first ever attempt at stand-up comedy. So, yes, I have tried it. Um, have I thought of doing it recently? No. Charlie, um, oh, here's what I would say too. Is uh, it's, Sorry you didn't hear that episode. We didn't record it. So, <laughs> it does exist <laughs> on the internet in pieces recorded off people's phones in the audience if you really want to find it. But... Uh, um, yeah, tell me about whether you would – because what stand-up is crying out for, by the way, is another middle-aged <laughs> white man. So what would you be bringing yeah. to the table, Charlie? Uh, I don't know uh, that I – I think if I had my time again, I would probably have pushed harder into stand-up comedy. I think now it is progress as an art form that allows people complete freedom to do anything. In fact, you know, when I talk to producers and casting agents and stuff, they often talk about comedy festivals being where they will go to scout new talent because that's where you get – the truest, most sort of like uh, where people express their voice and their opinion more clearly than say drama schools or even film festivals or whatever. It's like, so I think that in, if I had my time again, yeah, I'd probably push into stand-up comedy. But then I also have um, a, a, a real inherent fear of being um, uh, humiliated on stage. <laughs> so I don't know that I could have endured those first however many years it took me to find my feet. Like I have such admiration for comedians to being able just to push through those early years of just sucking i don't know that i have the uh the uh, resilience to get through that i agree no <laughs> <laughs> will question two will have you uncovered any childhood gems like charlie that you plan to dissect on the show old radio shows or performance poetry oh, i don't I, you know what the problem is like mostly is that i'm just old enough that most of the embarrassing things that I did when I it's just before that age of computers like keeping things around and I've never been a collector so there would be so many things that I could go back to and go look how embarrassing this is listen to how embarrassing and even from early stages of my career where I would go like mm. but a lot of them just don't exist in any sort of recorded recorded form at all because I didn't collect them and it was before mm. you know computers and the internet and all those sort of things collected them so yeah, I always think – I was thinking a lot about The Glass House this last week. A very special producer of that show, Pam Swain, passed away, a legend of Australian show business. And it was her funeral the other day and, you know, mate, Husey and Corinne and I were all just reflecting on our time spent working with her but also with each other. And there are parts of The Glass House that still exist. But if you played every episode of The Glass House, like if, if it was all on YouTube <laughs> – I'd be cancelled right now. I would not be speaking to you. There were jokes that we made on that show that if people took them out of context and played them today would just seem so inappropriate. And so I'm glad that a lot of my embarrassing past isn't fully recorded. I imagine there's some stuff that Adam and I did on the radio that people wouldn't remember that show so fondly if they could actually listen <laughs> to that show. Uh, question three, what happened to the puppet will from this week's Gruen? Uh, yeah, so we used a puppet will. Um, look, puppet will might come back. It was quite popular. Um, there was a chance it was going to come back this week because on Tuesday at work I had a close COVID contact. So I thought I was oh, I thought I was done in because um, it was somebody that I uh, had been 
who works on the show and I'd had to speak to in a mask off situation when I was working. And so uh, turns out I'm fine. I've had five days in a row of negative tests and no symptoms. So, uh, but there was a chance that I wasn't going to be hosting the show this week coming. And uh, one of the replacement ideas, or at least to do the monologue, was that Puppet Will might <laughs> do the monologue of the show <laughs> before handing over to whoever else was actually hosting the show. So you... It becomes wildly popular, wins like a gold logie. In fact, you can't get your job back because Puppet Will just like fucking takes over your life. I'm perfect. Honestly, if like if the puppet could go in and do the work and I just had to voice it at home, which was the plan. The plan was I was just <laughs> going to record something at home and then someone else had moved the puppet. So, yeah, unreal. I don't know what the downside is yet. Uh, fourth observation, it's not a question. I just want to clarify there are only 50, not 52 states in the US. Oh, yeah. And if the country were to break down, it would more likely be into regions, see Cascadia as opposed to individual mm. states like the NBA conference as Charlie mused. On another note, I was at Will's first night at the Brisbane Powerhouse and it was fabulous. <laughs> For reference, in case your memory was fuzzy, it was the night someone yelled out, fuck you, dad, and stormed out about five minutes into the show. Did I tell this story on the word? podcast? No. Oh, man. It was full on. It was like, as as uh, mentioned, it was only about five minutes into the show. So it's first night in Brisbane. I'm doing the show. I'm five minutes in and this dude like yells out. Like, I mean, I'm talking like yelling in a way that you would think it was a heckle. And it's coming from about two thirds of the way back in a 700 seat room. So mm. however far away from the stage that is, but up a rake, up some stairs, you know, but in the main body of the room. And then this guy like really like storms <laughs> from his seat down the stairs Right. And I, for a start, I'm like, because this is not that long after Will Smith, of course. Right. So for me, I'm just like, is this performance art? Is this like oh, some no. dude coming towards the stage who's about to punch me? It didn't feel like it was in response to anything that I had said. It wasn't contextual to anything that I had said. And I hadn't mm -hmm. at that point really said anything too much. The only thing that I could work out in my head was I'd mentioned like part of the show is about moving to the anti-vaccine capital of Australia at the start of a global pandemic. And I thought, well, maybe it's a like a reaction to the idea that I'm going to, you know, joke about vaccines or something. Maybe, I mean, he's gone early. Um, if, if, if it is a reaction to that, good call to get out now because there is another 45 minutes of these strokes to come. So you wouldn't enjoy those. But um, he storms down. Now, the way this venue is, if people want to imagine this, so I'm on stage, there's about like I would say 100 seats just like on the floor of the venue and then the rest of it is raked up towards the back of the venue. So he storms down the stairs. Now, normally when you get down to the bottom of the stairs where the other seats are, you would then hook back behind the rake to exit the venue. The doors to the venue are behind. Does that make sense? Like at a cinema. Like yeah. when you come in the side yeah. of a cinema, you the exit is yeah. actually It's like a dog yeah, leg. Dog leg back and kind of come out the way you came in. This guy yeah. has not done that. Has not gone out the exit that, that everybody came in. Has gone to these doors that I didn't and I've played this venue for 20 years, <laughs> did not know were exits until he exited through it. Like he's gone like through and out a door, still screaming at his dad. Oh my god. So anyway, I it was one of those ones where, A, it was too early in the show for me to really do too much with, but it was so angry and felt so real that it also felt like 
it was about something that I did not want to get yeah, in. Yeah, stay out. So it. I just needed to kind yeah. of deal with the situation, like get my composure back, try to work out whether it had been in response to me or not. Anyway, it turns out later, like after the show, I found out the story and it had genuinely been a family disagreement. Like, and I just, in my head was like, what sort of family disagreement has it got to be that five minutes into a comedy show, like you don't just go, you don't just whisper, fuck you, dad, you always do this or whatever. And then just like go, yeah, go down as if you go to the toilet and out the side or whatever. The idea that you would scream at your dad to fuck off and then down the stairs and fucking burst out the side. Like it felt like, Remember the old Conan bits where like Eddie Pepitone yeah. or somebody would just like be in the audience and then like start yelling at Conan and then like storm out the site? It felt like that, but as if it had been directed by like David Mamet. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think maybe the dad promised his son that I'll take you to go Adam see Hills, Adam Hills? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Mate, you should have stuck around. There was a great joke about that in five minutes. If you'd lasted <laughs> another five minutes, you would have had a ripper joke on that topic. All right, let's wrap it up there. If you want to support the show, the best way to do that is at patreon.com slash tofop. Heaps of bonus content, as Will mentioned. Uh, you can also go to our YouTube channel. We're getting our views, our monthly views up. If we get to a certain number, I think it's like 4,000 a month or something like that, we get uh, we can add ads to YouTube, which is great because everyone loves ads. <laughs> uh, we have another podcast, Two Guys, One Cup, which is exclusive to the listener app. It's about AFL, but it's mainly more of this kind of stuff that comes out on a Wednesday. Uh, but for now, play on not fifth. No. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what? That is the the famous sign-off from our other podcast. Yes. This is a little taste. <laughs> a little, little taste of that other podcast for you guys. If you like the way that sounded, to wrap up an episode, <laughs> get over to the listener app. Oh, fuck. We lose podcast mic for one episode and we can't start or finish in an adequate fashion. I'm Charlie Clawson. I'm Will Anderson. This podcast is a Tofop production. Head to tofop.com for more. Cool things for cool people.